0: Chapter 20 of Zofloya. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. Zofloya by Charlotte Dacker. Chapter 20. Scarcely on the following evening had the artificial shades of twilight increased the gigantic outlines of the far-seen mountains our victoria hastened to the spot where the moor zoflia had said he would await her on her arrival she found him already there and on perceiving her he hastened forward be seated fair signora he said respectfully leading her to a sloping bank overshadowed by a spreading acacia victoria obeyed the manner of Zoflaya was such as inspired involuntary awe he took his station beside her the soul of victoria was a stranger to fear yet uncommon sensations filled her bosom as she observed her proximity to the moor the dim twilight increasing to darkness, which now began to spread its sombre shadows around, threw a deeper tint over his figure, and his countenance was more strongly contrasted by the snow-white turban which encircled his brows, and by the large bracelets of pearl upon his arms and legs. Yet his form and attitude, as he sat beside her, was majestic, and solemnly beautiful, not the beauty which may be freely admired, but acknowledged with sensations awful and indescribable. Signora, he began, in a harmonious voice, while every uneasy feeling of Victoria's bosom vanished as he spoke. I am not to learn that dreadful of soul weighs you to the earth. But the cause of your unhappiness I desire to hear from your own lips, more explicitly than you have yet acknowledged it. Think not, beautiful Victoria, that in the spirit of idle curiosity, merely, I would dive into the recesses of your bosom. No, it is from a hope I entertain— that I possess a power equal, almost to my wishes, of alleviating the sorrows you endure. But even should I not possess that power, even then there is a delight, of which you will speedily become sensible, in confiding them to a sympathizing breast. Victoria hesitated. The more proceeded." Does the Signora believe, then, that the Moor Zephlaia hath a heart dark as his countenance? Ah, Signora, judge ye not by appearance, but if you desire relief, make me at once the depositary of your soul's conflicts, and trust to the event. Scarce had Zephlaia opened his lips, er, uneasiness, as we have said, vanished from the mind of Victoria. As he proceeded, the most agreeable sensations fluttered through her frame, and in her brain floated fascinating visions of future bliss that passed too rapidly to be identified. Scarce had his silver tones sunk on her ear in thrilling cadence than she felt even eager to express to the more her innermost, her inmost thoughts, excessive yet confused pleasure, filled her heart. She looked upon his still discernible, though darkened figure upon his countenance, where, like two diamonds, revealed by the force of their own casual rays, his eyes emitted sparks of lambent flame, involuntarily softened towards him she said, Whether or not thou canst assist me, Zoflia, is unknown to me, but, feeling strongly impelled to reveal to thee every moment of my soul, the fatal I almost fear, the remediless cause of my misery, I hasten to acknowledge to thee all. I have already hinted to thee concerning my love, Although the wife of Conte Bresna, my inmost soul dotes frantically upon the young Henrique to complete my hopeless distraction. The orphan Lilia, that presumptuous and dependent intruder, hath for long been in possession of his heart, and heart of which she knows not the value, for her person is not more puerile than her mind. But it is not the artful insignificant ascendancy this girl has acquired over him that bids me despair. It is it is that I am wedded to a wretch whom I abhor, who stands between me and happiness, and who was only sent upon this earth to seal the fiat of my miseries.' Were I but once freed, freed from those hated fetters that bind me to Baresna, I would soon drive from the superior mind of Henrique the silly question which now occupies it. I would make him feel that he was destined to noble fate, to confer and to receive the highest happiness. Not merely to yield himself a sacrifice to the undiscriminating fancy of his boyish days, oh Zofloya, this would I do were opportunity allowed me, but never, oh, never will such bliss be mine. She leaned her head upon her hand and paused, then quickly resuming. I HAVE NOW TOLD THEE OF THE AGONY WHICH RACKS MY BREAST. I HAVE EVEN REVEALED MY WISHES, MY DESPAIR. SAY, SAY QUICKLY, WHAT CONSOLATION CANST THOU OFFER IN RETURN? I WOULD BID YOU, SEÑORA, NOT DESPAIR. AND IS THIS ALL THOU CANST SAY, Zoflia? "'Are you of a firm and persevering spirit, Signora?' "'This heart knows not to shrink,' she answered, forcibly striking her bosom, while her eyes flashed fire, and in its purpose would persevere even to destruction. "'Are such the attributes of your character, Signora?' Then what earthy wishes are not to be achieved by the united force of firmness and perseverance? I see not how firmness and perseverance can avail me here, however valuable in themselves may be those qualities. Not so, beautiful Victoria Your words are ambiguous, Zolflaya, deign to be explicit, said Victoria hastily will you consider me so when i assert that if you determine not to up to what you have just said no accidental combinations can prevent you from obtaining your utmost wishes ha say you so enchanting moore exclaimed victoria half frantic with joy at the meaning contained in his words and breathless with contending emotions of hope and doubt seizing his hand she pressed it to her bosom señora be calm be composed cried zoflaia an honor not thus unworthy the lowest of your slaves speak on then Zoflia, your words are magic they soothe my soul and i feel hope and if I speak on, you will not bid me cease, you will not shrink, Senora. Victoria's only answer was an expressive smile and gesture. Sofia then resumed, Before, Senora, by the unhappy defeat of my countrymen in Granada by Ferdinand of Aragon, I became the property of the Spaniard. Who dying recommended me to Senor Henriquez? I had from early youth been addicted to the study of arts as well as arms. Botany, chemistry, and astrology were my favorite pursuits, and this turn of mind was further encouraged and improved by an ancient Moor of Granada who took pleasure in cultivating my taste and eventually increased considerably my information on various points, and to a surprising extent. While in the kingdom of Aragon, resident with the Spaniard, my late master, I continued to have full leisure for the pursuit of my favorite branches of study, for he treated me as a friend and an equal, rather than a miserable captive and domestic. "'Oh, Zoflia! Zoflia!' impatiently cried Victoria. "'This is irreverent! Suffer me to proceed, however, Signora!' gravely observed the moor, with an air that repressed the violence and commanded the attention of his auditor. In consequence of the liberty I enjoyed, I devoted myself, as I have said, to my favourite pursuits.' I obtained a perfect knowledge of simples and earths, and how drugs are compounded from them. No one could go beyond the infallibility of my calculations as to their effect. To chemistry then I became particularly attached, without, however, resigning my astrological pursuits. Close application, favored too, as perseverance usually is, by the deductions of accidental observation, taught me in time amidst a vast variety of chemical science to compound poisons with such infinite art that, from the most speedy and subtle, I could vary their degrees to the slowest and most imperceptible. I tried them experimentally, as it were, first upon animals, and then upon those who had offended me, Victoria started, but the more, appearing not to notice it, proceeded. Upon these I tried alternately my speedy and lingering poisons. I have seen the little greyhound one moment frisking at my feet, and the next, without a struggle, sink motionless beside them. I have seen the man I hated, who had forgotten he had ever offended me, smiling in my face, and lingering under the imperceptible but certain influence of the poison that had been administered to him, and which circulated in his blood, gently leading him to the gates of death. For the female who had dared to prefer mother to me— I have first wrecked my vengeance on her lover, and then on herself. By the power of the drugs I have given them, their love for each other has been alternately changed to hate, and they have only recovered from the delirium, to be separately destroyed by the effect. In no instance have I ever failed in my calculations of the event." That which I willed came to pass, and came to pass in the manner that I willed it. Many other surprising secrets of art and nature became revealed to me, but to expatiate upon then now would be, as you have said, irrelevant to the subject. Therefore to the point I now demand of you, Signora, whether you would choose the slow portion or the swift. Victoria was for a moment staggered at this unexpected question, which again the more seeming not to observe, took from his pocket a small gold box, which opening, Victoria perceived to contain several divisions. From one of these he drew a little folded paper, and thus proceeded." This paper contains one of the most subtle and delicate poisons that ever, by the hand of art, could be composed. It deals unerring death, but deals it slowly. It may be administered in wine, in food. It may even be completely introduced into the system. By the puncture of the smallest pin, it is this which I should recommend to you, Signora, for a beginning. Take it and use it as opportunity shall present. Should opportunities but unfrequently occur, you will yourself know how to make them. Violet stretched forth her hand and took the paper. For a moment she was silent, and then said, This, then, is for Bransa The moor smiled expressively and waved his hand, as if to say, that surely requires no answer. Then, assuming a more serious air, he coolly observed, when barriers oppose the attainment of a favorite object, the barriers must either be laid low, or the object remain unattained. To remedy an evil, it is necessary to strike at the root. Nothing is to be gained by lopping the branches which arise therefrom. Thus, should you resolve to overstep common boundaries, and that which is termed female delicacy, by openly declaring your passion to Henriquez, and he, even setting delance to consequence, "'should return it, how do you imagine, "'that while the wife of another "'you could enjoy unrestrained delight "'with the choice of your soul? "'Do you want resolution, then, fair signora, "'to effect, by means so trifling, your highest wishes?' "'And did I err? he added ironically, in the different estimate I had formed of your character. It is not that I want resolution, returned Victoria, somewhat piqued. I desire, oh, how ardently desire the death, the annihilation of Bresna, but by these means to take his life. It is not that I hesitate, however, and ashamed Confused at what she deemed her cowardice, she stopped. It is not that you hesitate, in an accent half-serious, half-disdainful, returned the Moor, and why should you hesitate? He had no hesitation in sacrificing to himself, your young and beautiful person, for his gratification, and why should you hesitate now? at sacrificing him for yours. You hate him, yet you receive with dissembled pleasure these endearments which he lavishes upon you. In depriving him of life, you would do him far less wrong. Surely the conscience of Victoria is not subjugated to to a confessor. From whence then arises this unexpected demure? Is not self-predominant throughout animal nature? And what is the boasted supremacy of man, if eternally he must yield his happiness to the paltry suggestions of scholastic terms, or the pompous definitions of right and wrong? His reasoning mind, then, is given him only for his torment, and to wage war against his happiness. Yet what cause can be adduced? Why another must be permitted to stand between him and his fair prospects, overshadowing them with hopeless gloom. What argument can be adduced against his removal? For him of whom we are speaking, he has enjoyed already many years of existent pleasure. He must now yield his place to another, for he has not a right to monopolize to his share the pleasures of others. Besides, were he to live a thousand years longer, each day must be but a tasteless repetition of the past, for in length of time even the zest of pleasure wears off. And when we come to reflect, after this long disquisition into which we have been drawn, what is the momentous consideration? Whether the breath of a man be hastened a few moments sooner from his body than sickness, accident, or a thousand chances might have propelled it and in the common course of things have befriended you. Yet, if none of these happen to arise, a mind of enterprise endowed with the strength and power of right reason steps with unshrinking foot a little from the beaten track. Zophia paused the cool deliberateness of his manner in expressing his sentiments, induce Victoria to believe that they were the result of conviction, deduced from accurate reflection, and the having given to the subject the rational consideration of a towering and superior mind, rather than the cruel or forced constructions of the moment. Under this impression, she could not avoid saying, Zoflaya, you possess strong powers of reflection, and you are eloquent. Charming, signora, in a softened voice answered the moor. I am not naturally eloquent, but the wish of promoting your happiness renders me so. Pride filled the heart of Victoria, and she smiled. Ah, pursued the moor. THAT beauteous FORM WAS NEVER MADE TO PINE BY HOPELESS LEVEL. NO, IT WAS NOT MADE TO SINK TO THE EARTH, A VICTIM TO UNGRATIFIED SENSATIONS, TO YIELD, TO FALL A SACRIFICE TO IMPERIOUS CIRCUMSTANCES. AH, VICTORIA, BEAUTIFUL VICTORIA, ZOFLAIA MUST FLY YOU IN DESPAIR should you disdain his proffered services. O oh, flattery, like heaven do upon earth, gratefully dost thou descend upon the ear of woman. Indescribable pleasure dilated the bosom of Victoria, as she listened to the honeyed accents of the delicate moor. She put forth her hand towards him, and when he softly seized and pressed it, to his lips the haughty venetian was not offended tell me then zofloya she said with slight hesitation how must i use this bland and dangerous enemy at night in wine signora in morning beverage when and how you can er long its effects will become discernible the conti at a certain hour of the day, drinks lemonade, observed Victoria, which I was once in the habit of administering to him. He used to say it tasted sweeter from my hand. Renew your tender offices, said Zoflia, with a meaning smile, and increase your opportunities— The powder I have given you is of the minute particles. The smallest atom is sufficient at a time. Using it at the rate of twice a day, it will not be exhausted for ten days. At the end of that period, the perceptible effect that shall have been produced upon Bresna will direct us to proceed. Now, Signora, Allow me to conduct you hence. So saying, Zoflia, gently taking Victoria by the arm, led her with a kind of respectful freedom from the spot. End of chapter twenty. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen. Vancouver, B.C.